we get started. Father, we want to come before you and lift up your name. God, today is about you and your glory. Today is about your work and your righteous right hand that does mighty and marvelous things in our lives. God, you are the deliverer and the redeemer. You are the carer of our souls. You watch over us and you set us free, Lord, that we might walk in the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So today, God, bring your glory, touch our lives. Never let us be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, guys, go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Man, they gave me a lot of time today. That's good because as I was practicing, uh, I was over my time every time, okay? So we're going to do our best to get through all this today. I believe God has some incredible things for you, and I want to challenge you today. But before we get started, i got to give honor to Pastor Evan. Pastor Evan, Lady Sharice, wherever you are, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much. Uh, for believing in me and pouring into me like pastor Evan is the first pastor I've ever served with that poured into my life a lot of times it was like I didn't even have meetings or any kind of relationship uh, with the pastor it was like just do your job and you know go on and, and that's not the case here with pastor Evan he truly does care and has a heart for for each of us and, and each of you as well and so it's an honor to be here so thank you once again pastor Evan lady Sharice love you guys appreciate you so, today, all right, let's get into this. It's going to be so good. Uh, all right, I want to start off with a quick story real quick, and that's going to kind of introduce our, our lesson for today. So a couple, many, a couple years ago, many years ago, okay, uh, I've been doing ministry for about 20 years now as a pastor, and early on I started off as a youth pastor at a church right here in Mesquite. And one Sunday night, we had services every Sunday night, one Sunday night we had the youth... Uh, I had the youth break up into small groups of like two and three, and we were just going to practice hearing from the Lord. And so getting groups of two and three, and your prayer was, Lord, what do you want to use me to say to these other two people? And they just got quiet and listened. And if you got something, that's what you were going to share. If you didn't get anything, you're just going to say, I didn't get anything. No pressure. Don't have to make anything up. It's fine. So these three boys, uh, two 13-year-olds and I think a 14-year-old were in this group of three. And the one boy looks up and he says, I heard the curse is broken. And one of the other boys who was sitting there, and I don't think he was engaged. I think he was waiting to uh, get out of there. Like how much time is till service is out? Well, the other boy says the curse is broken. And he goes, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? And the other boy goes, does that mean something to you? Because uh, I, 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 I thought it was for you, but I, I didn't have the courage to say that. But I think it is for you. What does that mean? And the other boy responds and he says, man, my whole life I've had asthma. And I've struggled with it. I can't run. I can't, I can't play sports. I can't do anything. As soon as I start to run, I have an asthma attack. And i got to use my inhaler. He's on preventatives, things in the morning, all that stuff. And he goes, my whole life I feel like I've been cursed. I feel like I was cursed by God and that this was this burden and this struggle that I had to carry and I had to bear. And they're telling me this story and I said, well, praise God. The curse is broken. That was the word. The curse is broken. So let's just thank God and honor him for what he's already done. We don't have to pray for it. God's declared it. The prophetic words come forth. Let's just thank God. So we prayed over the kid and we just said, thank you, Jesus, so much for what you have done. And so about two and a half years later, when I was leaving the church, the mom of that boy came to me and said, since that moment, that boy has not had one asthma attack. He's not had to use his inhaler one time in two and a half years. 
Somebody say, the curse is broken. That's the title of today's message. The curse is broken. See, I believe that many of us as believers, as even though while we're waiting for the plans and the goodness of God to be made manifest in our life, we're carrying these secret burdens, these secret curses in our life that we just accept as life. We walk around burdened with anxiety, with worry, with fear, with insecurity, insignificance. We feel unvalued. We feel unloved. We feel disconnected. We believe that God has plans for our lives. I mean, we all know the verse Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I'm sorry, I messed that up. But the plans, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so we're believing that one day far off in the future, God has a plan for us. And we're waiting for that to happen. But every time something goes wrong, we're just thinking, God, where are you? God, where are you at? I'm waiting. God, why, why do I have to face this bill? God, where do I have the money for this bill? Where do I have the money for my mortgage? Where do I have the money for my current situation? And we're waiting for God to break in and we're praying, we're complaining. I mean, sorry, praying and we're asking God to do something in our circumstance, believing that the future is far off and that one day we'll walk in the blessing of the Lord. And I, I, I want to share this extra note. I just wrote this down while we were worshiping today because I feel like it's a prophetic word for this moment. And this is what I heard during worship today. God said, my people have suffered long enough. The enemy has had his way long enough. And today is due season for the healing of your soul. See, sometimes we're waiting in the future for the stuff to show up because then we'll know we're walking in the blessing of God. But beloved, Mark 8.36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What does that mean? That means you can be here in the future and have all this stuff. You can have the successful business. You can have the $2.5 million home. Come on, Jesus. You can have all those things but not have peace in your soul. Because if a thousand dollar car bill that comes up unexpected makes you lose your mind and go, God, what's going on? God, where's your promises? Where's your goodness? What's going to happen when your business is struggling? What's going to happen? You have a $2.5 million house. The bills are a little different. Okay. Replacing and fixing things that show up in the $2.5 million house are different than the, than the house that's 150,000. And if you can't handle the pressure and your faith gets lost and the insecurity and the anxiety wells up and overflows in your life here, then how's it going to happen over there? See, the Lord has promised the blessings of the Lord make one rich and add no sorrow to it. Well, to me, anxiety, worry, fear, and doubt is, is sorrow. Like, I want peace in my soul. Beloved, the blessings of this world don't get to go to heaven. The only thing that does is your soul. So God's not trying to fix your stuff. He's trying to get to you. He's trying to make you whole. He wants to make something new in you. And so God, we have to start living free from, from these toxic lies that the enemy has put in our soul. So I want to challenge you today. If you want to be healed, you're going to have to do something that we don't always do at church. And that's take off our mask. We're going to have to be real with God today. 
Listen, after worship, when we're singing Christ is my firm foundation, it's easy to feel filled up and go, that's right, God is good. God is bigger than these circumstances. But what happened last night or last week? How many of you had restless nights of sleep? Anxiety had gripped your soul and you're like, man, I got this meeting. I got this conversation. Or we're good on a Sunday morning and we show up Monday morning and the first email we read is from our boss that says, hey, we need to have a meeting on Friday at 4 p.m. with HR. Yeah, how many are you going to sleep well that week? Having that meeting, knowing that that, and we're going to talk about how do we walk in healing and victory through those circumstances. See, the world is God, is, is our history. The world, our history is His story. Okay, history is his story. God shows off in every generation. Think of Moses, Elijah, uh, David, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Peter, James, John. What was so significant and special about their lives is they were marked by God. If God had not moved in their lives, we wouldn't know their story. You know, we have more historical documents that talk about the early church than we do about the Caesars. Historically, it's more reliable to believe in the early church than it is to believe about the Caesars of Rome. Why? Because the hand of God, God wants to show off in every generation. And guess what, church? Is our generation. So God wants to show off in your life today. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Some of you are hearing that right now and you're thinking it's a general you, like God's just talking about other people. But he's talking about you. He's talking about you sitting here in this chair. He's talking about you online, wherever you are watching this. God is talking to you. I appointed you that you should bear fruit and that it should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. He, his plans for your life is that you should produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. What happens is a lot of times we realize that we don't have the strength to carry on. We get worried and we get burdened. And, and a lot of these things the enemy has put in our lives from an early age. You know what? I, t- I mean, I, I'm the pastor of the children's area here at Word of Truth. And one of the reasons I serve in the children's ministry is when I was a, co- a college student, young college student 20 years ago, I saw this skit. They did this skit on stage where they were interviewing the devil. Okay, this guy was pretending to be the devil and the actual devil. But this guy was pretending to be the devil and they're interviewing him about his plans and his strategies. And they're talking about what he was doing to the youth in that generation. He's talking about what he's going to do to the college kids in that generation and how he's messing up adult lives in that generation. And the devil goes, you don't understand. You can have them in your youth ministries and your college ministries. You can have them in your adult services. I'll take them as children. Because what happens is the devil puts negative hooks and thoughts and lies into our lives as kids. That take root inside of our lives. And our subconscious just... Every time something negative happens, our body instantly goes to that. We tense up. We get nervous. How do we know if that happens to you? Because if you get corrected, you get super defensive. You get called out and you think, well, who do you think they are to talk to me like that? You get nervous and you get insecurity or you can't sleep and you feel like you're nauseous. 
See, whenever we have new thoughts, whenever you hear the word of God, your thoughts travel. I, I, I read this. In, uh, science teaches us that your neur- neural net wa- networks, when you're learning new thoughts, your, your new thoughts travel at about 100 to 150 miles per hour in your brain. So as you're processing, as we're dialoguing, as you're hearing the word of God today, your brain is processing this at about 100 to 150 miles an hour. Your subconscious thoughts, you think it's going to be faster or slower? Faster. What do you think it, how fast do you think it, the, the subconscious travel? If your new thoughts 100 to 150 miles, how fast do you think your subconscious goes? 1,000, 300? 100,000 miles per hour. So when you have a negative thought pattern established in your, in your life, it can be up to 20 million times faster than the new thoughts. So if the enemy causes you to develop a negative thought pattern in your life, the moment you have any new circumstance hit that, you go, (gasps) you lock up. So every time you try to step out in faith and go, man, I am going to start tithing. I am going to believe God for this. I'm going to do this. And then something happens. You go, oh my gosh, what? Oh, maybe I shouldn't. Why? I'm doing the thing you said to do, God, and this happened. And you get hurt and you get burdened and you struggle because the enemy has put hooks in your soul. He don't care if you have stuff. If you have no peace with God, you have no joy in God, you have no rest in God, the stuff does you no good. So today we're going to talk about, in the time that I have left, we're going to talk about how to get free from that, that God has already provided a way for freedom, that today you can start your healing of your soul. You can start the process of when you hear negative information, you can laugh. You can walk in victory. And when people watch your peace, they're going to wonder, they want to, they're going to want to know how, how can you put up with that? How can you handle that? How can you fight through that? Ah, God's got me. Let me tell you what God's done in my past. Let me tell you how God has set me free. So our main passage today comes from the book of John, chapter 8, verse 31. This is a great passage. You should memorize this passage. And probably the end of this passage, you all have heard it. Because the world loves this passage. The world does. They take it completely out of context. But let's read it. John, chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom's our goal. Truth will set us free. Now you see that everywhere. I heard somebody said at their college real big on on the side said the truth will set you free. And he remembers thinking, whose truth? What truth? What truth will set us free? And that's why Jesus says, if you abide in my word, the truth will set you free. That brings us to our first point today. You must be filled up in order to show up. Okay, I'm saying that again. You must be filled up in order for it to show up. So the Word of God. Why the Word of God? Why does Jesus say the Word of God? Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of morrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Have you ever wondered, like, how do I know if it's me or the Lord? How do I know if it's God or myself? How do I know if it's the enemy or myself? The Bible tells us, the Word of God tells us, the Word of God is what will discern for you. 
How do you know if it's God or not? God's saying, I want to tell you. I want to show you that you can learn whether it's yourself or the enemy or me. And so the word of God is what we must abide in because it discerns our heart and it help us, helps us to understand how to organize and, and hear our thoughts. So real quick, I want to go back to that verse and says, John, uh, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So who's Jesus talking to? The Jews who what? Believed in him. He's not talking to people who don't have faith in him. So when he says that you must abide in my word, he's not talking to unbelievers that says, if you abide in my word, then you'll be saved. He's talking to those who are already his followers. If you abide in my word, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So once you put your faith in Christ, the next step is to begin to abide in the word of God so that the word of God can take root inside of you and the word of God will then set you free. So it's talking to believers. It's not saying, go, I've checked that box. I'm good. I abide in the Lord. I'm in relationship with him. I've been saved. You're not checking that box, but rather you're beginning to develop a relationship with the Lord that will cause you to increase in your freedom. Did you know you can increase in your freedom? God wants you to increase in your authority in faith, your authority in the spiritual realm, your authority in this life, that you might walk in complete freedom. Abide here means to remain constant. You could read that verse, John 8, 31, and says, if you remain constant in my word. Another definition could be submit. If you submit to my word, you are truly my disciples. And I want to point out that word disciple, because disciple uh, today isn't a word we hear a lot. And it's different than having like a coach or a mentor, because a coach... They'll give you advice in one specific area. A mentor might give you advices, advice in, in many different areas. But at the end of the day, you're going to take their advice and decide how you apply it to your life. Not so with the disciple. A disciple says, whatever you do, I'm going to do. Whatever you say, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I want the life that you have. I want to walk where you walk. Where you are is where I want to be, and where you're going is where I want to go. That's what a disciple is. So a disciple of Christ says, Jesus, what you have, I want. Where you're going, I want to go. The victories you have is the victory I want to have. The peace you have is the peace I want to have. The authority you have is the authority I want to have. Therefore, whatever you say, I'm going to do. So in order to be an effective disciple... We have to abide in the word of God. See, discipleship's not cheap. It costs you. It costs everything. Because whatever, I'm not, I'm not, just like, unlike a coach, a coach might say, hey, try this next time. And I go, you know what, coach, I didn't like that. I'm not going to try it. But as a disciple, he says, do this. And I'm going to say, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. Take home statement. Therefore, if you want the blessings of Christ in your life, you must be a true, a true disciple. And we do that by abiding in his word. If you want the blessings of Christ in your life, you must be a true disciple of Christ by abiding in his word. Two things happen when you abide in the word of God. It, one, builds faith. And the second thing it does is release grace. It builds faith. And releases grace. 
Building faith. Let's talk about that just for a second. In order to build faith, you have to change the way that you think. Because if situations, that, that same example, on Friday, you get the email on Monday, and if you're standing there going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? I, I, you have no faith. All you have is fear. All you have is worry and doubt. And so you have to change the way you think. So instead of looking at Friday going, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? No, faith is going to start saying, okay, God, what are you up to? What are you doing here, Lord? And so it's changing the way that we think. But that means we cannot be conformed. Pastor Evan brought this verse up a couple uh, weeks ago, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Notice what this verse doesn't say. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your actions. See, there's something that has to shift in the way that we think. It doesn't say be transformed by the renewal of your friendships or your dating life, but in the very way that you think. Because your mind is a part of your soul. So if you want to walk in, in freedom and you want to see your whole your soul truly healed, you have to change the way that you think. A, re, a renewed mind walks with the divine. Okay, a renewed mind walks with the divine we begin to hear what god we are exposed to new ways of thinking like like just for a basic example jesus says look forgive your enemies pray for them that's not what the world tells us to do the world says get what's yours stand up do what's right protect yourself protect your name but a disciple says no i'm here to protect the name of jesus and if he tells me to pray i'm gonna have to pray listen some of us have heard that verse our whole life but if we were honest, how many times have we actually, don't raise your hand, but how many times have we actually prayed for our enemy? Instead of complaining about the coworker, you're going to start praying for the coworker. And you're going, I don't know what this is going to do, but I'm going to start doing it because I'm a disciple and the, that's what the word says to do this. So I'm going to do it and I'm just going to trust God. I don't understand it. I don't trust God because I'm a disciple. A renewed mind walks with the divine because you realize the mindset that the world has given you is off. And so you go hang out with Jesus and you get to hang out with the divine while he renews your mind. Okay. And the second way it does it. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we hear the word of God, as we abide in the word of God inside of us, the word of God begins to build up it. We're getting filled up so that it begins to show up. So back to our previous illustration, Friday at 4 PM, I'm having uh, a meeting with my boss. So I wake I'm at my office Monday morning and I'm reading that email and maybe the, the old mindset's still there and you're tensing up on the inside. And so you have one or two options. You can do it just like you've always done it, where you begin to stand up and say, nobody going to fire me. I'm going to go I'm gonna walk in that office and quit. Nobody gets to fire me. I'm going to tell them what's up. All these years I worked at this company, they're going to do me like this. Or maybe it's the opposite, going, oh my gosh, we just got a new, we had all these plans, we just bought a new car, oh, how are we going to make the payments here, where are we going to find a new job, I guess I need to get someone to do my resume, how are we, and the anxiety begins to build up, and the insecurity, and so Monday night comes, and you're like, it's going to be okay, okay, Jesus, I know you're there, I know you're there, Jesus, it's going to be okay, and you're trying to sleep, and you're tossing and turning all night, and you wake up on Tuesday, and your manager talks to you and gives you an assignment, 
Who's he talking to me like that? He knows what his plan is on this Friday. How can he say that? Who does he... I should quit in this place. No, no, it's okay. God, what are we going to do? How are we... God, where are you? You said you were going to provide. Am I being real right now? Come on. And, and, And... Tuesday night we don't sleep. Wednesday, and as it gets closer, the the insides begin to churn, and and we don't want people to look down at us. So we all go and, what did you want? What's going on in here? Like we have no idea what's going on. See, but when faith has been built up inside of you, you begin to respond different. So Monday morning you wake up and you you're at the office and you read that email and you go, oh my God, what is happening? God, I need your grace. And you can feel the the, the nervousness and the anxiety come on. You're like, no, 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 no. See, my God says he provides. See, God, you are faithful. God, I don't have an answer for Friday. But I know your word says in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 that your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions faithful not fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. Therefore, I will hope in you. So when you start to go, God, I don't know what's going on Friday. But I know there's a grace for me on that day. I know that the promises of God will not go unfulfilled in my life. They may fire me, but they can't fire your promise on my life. And so you say, God, I'm going to go home. I give this burden to you. I'm going to go home. I'm going to hang out with my family. I love my wife and I'm going to hang out with my kids. I'm going to go to bed that night and sleep like a baby. And you wake up Tuesday morning and the same thing, have boss talking to you, give you sign. Hey, no problem. I got you. I'm going to come in and work as hard as I can because I'm not working for them. I'm working for Jesus. They might be firing me on Friday, but it don't matter because there's a grace and a mercy on Friday. I get Tuesday's grace and mercy. I wake up Wednesday's grace and mercy. Thursday's grace and mercy. Friday, God knows I got the meeting, but there's a grace and a mercy and a compassion that is waiting for me on Friday that I'm going to walk in into that office. So that is a radically different way to pray, church. That's not focusing on the burden. That's focusing on the promise. Because they may fire me, but that means they're going to miss out on God's blessing on my life. See, because I walk in the anointing. I walk in covenant with the Most High. And your business is blessed because I work for you. Because I'm not working for you, I'm working for Jesus. So if you want to let me go, you're letting go the promise of God. And somebody else will hire me and they'll receive the blessing of God on my life. See, that's a radically different way. See, the first time you find yourself with a burden and you lay down at night and sleep with no issues and you wake up the next morning rejoicing, woo, it's a weird thought. You're like, what just happened? One of my favorite Psalms, I forget the reference, but David says, I laid down and slept, the Lord sustained me and I awoke. That's what it says. The Psalm is about him fleeing from Absalom. His son is trying to kill him. David is about to lose the throne. He is anxious as anxious can be. He is struggling. He is weary and heavy laden. And he goes, God, help me just get some sleep tonight. He laid down and slept and I awoke for the Lord sustained me. The blessing of God is on my life. So when we abide in God's word, faith builds in our life. And the second thing, uh, in order to, when it shows up, it releases grace on our life. First Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered for a while, the God of all grace. Notice that Peter calls him the God of all grace. 
Now, God has many names. We call him Jaira, Rafa, Nisi, like Emmanuel. We have all these things that we call. Why did Peter call on the God of all grace? Because he who has called you into eternal glory in Christ will what? Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Church, grace, when it's released in your life, restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes you. When the grace of God comes, it restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes you. So I want to point out, because I want to give this illustration from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7 with Paul. And so here Paul is writing this letter and he says, To keep me from becoming conceited, that's Paul, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and keep me from being conceited. So Paul's saying, because I've been so successful, a messenger of Satan has come against my life. Now we don't a hundred percent know what that is. It could be sicknesses. It could be demonic activity. It could be, uh, just all the stuff that's going on. Paul could have a physical, uh, struggle. It, it can be anything here. And I'm kind of glad that we don't know because it leaves the door open. If we knew exactly what it was, then we would say that's the only exception, but that's not what it is. It can be anything. And Paul goes, three times I pleaded with, with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Notice that Paul abided in the Lord. Like when he, he was like, God, I need you to take this. God, I don't understand. I've cast out demons in your name. I've done signs and wonders. I've seen the hick, sick healed. Why can I not get rid of this issue? That's different than going, come on, God. Like I'm doing all this stuff for you. This is for you. I'm being obedient to you. Why is this happening in my life? That's not what Paul says. He says, God, I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you're all powerful. I've seen it in my life. Why am I not having victory? And some of us are in that moment right now. Why am I not having victory? You've asked that question. I mean, you don't want to admit it that in your complaints, prayer sessions with God, that you've asked that question. But we have. But this is God's answer. I love it because God gives the answer. And this is what Paul says. But God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So what God says ultimately to Paul, he says, Paul, look, I allow that to stay in your life. Because when that is in your life, you abide in me. And when you abide in me, I release a grace to you that you would not have unless that thing was in your life. And what does grace do? It restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes you. So God is saying to Paul, look, because you abide in me, you're going to walk in an authority. You're going to walk in a power. You're going to be able to comfort others and bring life to other people because I have allowed this in your life and I release grace to get you through it. I, you know what? I can even prove to you that's what God means here. If I can find my place again. Okay. Therefore, it says verse 9. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Paul goes, if that's the case, Lord, I actually got this pain in my foot too that I can't seem to get rid of. God, this guy, Timothy, is driving me nuts. Uh, I don't know how to deal with him. God, in the city of Ephesus, it's driving me crazy. And God's going, grace, 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 grace 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 that they might walk in the authority and the power that god has in them see we're going god how come i'm burdened how come i'm feeling this way oh lord jesus lord like you're 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 sick to your stomach but when you abide in the lord you can rest in the grace 
to confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So a take-home statement, abiding in God's word releases grace to get you to victory. Point number two, oh my gosh, Lord Jesus. When we, point number two, when we are filled up, we must be prepared to speak up. Okay, the first point says in order for it to show up, we must be filled up. The second point is when we are filled up, we must be prepared to speak up. Matthew eleven twelve says the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Satan seeks to devour your soul, not your stuff. But why does he get your stuff? Because your soul's tied to your stuff. Because if he can make your car break down, he can make that house payment show up and you start freaking out. God, what happened? I guess it's not working. I guess that this is not, it's not happening for me. I guess, I guess the promises are true for everybody else but me. Satan just stealing from you. He's stealing God's promises. He's stealing God's faith from your life. First Timothy 6.12 says to fight the good fight of faith. Why? To take hold of eternal life. Notice it doesn't say receive eternal life. It says to take hold of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. It doesn't say shall have eternal life, but have eternal life. That means the moment you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus has provided eternal life to you. But then First Timothy, it says, take hold of eternal life. It's not something when we get to heaven, I got saved, now I just got to hold on and make it. I just got to hold on. If I just hold on long enough, oh my gosh, this is so painful. Oh, I w- this is why people say, I would wait till I get to the end of my life to give my life to Jesus. Because it's painful if the only thing you have is to hold on and just hold, I'm saved and stuck. When we all get to heaven, then it will be a glorious day. Beloved, God's glory is for you right now. God's blessings and eternal life are for you today. Take hold of what God has promised you and apply it to your life. Let me give you a quick example. So one of the things when I was dealing with anxiety, one of the things I had to start speaking over my life every time I got anxious was, I am enough. In Christ Jesus. See, I, I kind of suffer a little bit from perfectionism. Thank you, United States Marine Corps. But I suffer a little bit from perfectionism. And I didn't realize it was impacting every area of my life. And I felt like at times I was unfaithful to God because I wasn't doing everything that God had called me to do. And so I felt insecure and my identity was wrapped up in this. And every time it didn't go the way that I thought it should to give God the most glory, I... Was beating my, the enemy was right there. You knew you couldn't do it. You've let him down. You failed. What kind of son are you? And so I'm struggling. I had to start saying, I am enough in Christ Jesus. And how did I know that it was a struggle for me? Because when I said it, it felt weird. If you say the promises of God over your life and it feels uncomfortable to you, it's probably a sign that you have a struggle in that area, that the enemy is using that against you. Because when you hear the promises of God, you should go, yes, and amen in Christ Jesus. But when you struggle with that, the enemy has put something inside of you that makes you resistant to God's working in your life. 
And so I want to give you three ways real quick that the enemy steals from you. I'm going to do it real quick. Matthew 18, 13, we're going to take all three points, starting in the parable of the sower. You guys know that sower? Jesus tells it, a sower goes out to sow, and some fell along the wayside, some fell upon the rocks, some fell upon the thorns, and some was good soil that produced a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. So Jesus, the disciples go, Jesus, tell us the meaning of this parable. And this is what he says, starting at verse 19. When anyone hears the kingdom of God, And does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so what happens is we hear the word of God and we don't process it, we don't understand it, we don't apply it to our life. The enemy comes and snatches it. You ever get home on a Sunday morning and someone asks you how church was and you're like, oh, it was awesome. Pastor Chad was amazing. We're just declaring that in faith, okay? Uh, (laughs) And you get home and you hear that and they go, what was it about? I know pastor was there. Uh, pastor Polo sang a song, I think. Um, what was that? What was it about? Honey, what was that song about? What, what did we talk about today? Man, it's already been snatched. It's already been snatched. Number two, the second way the enemy steals from us. As for what was sown, verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yes, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation, persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Satan gets you to give up. It's those who hear the word in here and go, yes! And then you go home and you're like, it's great. And then you show up to work tomorrow and you really do get that email. And you, oh, Lord Jesus, we got to do something else. And you completely forget the promises God has spoken and declared over your life. Number three, how does this enemy steal from us? Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves uh, fruitful. The enemy gets us to not care anymore, to think we have a better way. Jesus, I understand what you're saying, but why can't we have the promises of God and the stuff? Jesus, why can't we do this and that? Why can't I have one foot in the heaven and one foot in the world and kind of live both? God, I think I can manage both sides. Okay, Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but it's better if I'm, if I'm over here and I'm holding on to this. And the enemy gets us to divide our minds so that we're no longer set and focused on Jesus. So what happens here? Jesus has provided the victory for us. But so many times we think that means we just sit down and wait. Jesus is over there. He's provided the victory and we're going. All right. I'm ready. Bring it. And Jesus is over there saying, no, no, you've got to come to me. But what's so good about Jesus is he doesn't stand there and say, good luck. He comes all the way back down. And what does he tell his disciples? Follow me and so we start turning with jesus wherever he's going we're going and i know we're going jesus we're going the wrong way we're supposed to go that way and we're going backwards can we be honest how many of you felt like that jesus we're going backwards here why are we what where are we going jesus i got it that's the enemy we, we the cares of the world Jesus, this is too hard. This is too rough. I thought, I thought it was going to be easy. And Jesus says the narrow way is difficult. And few go by it. But those who follow Jesus and trust his word, when he says, stop, 
we stop, turn right, and we turn right. When we follow Jesus, we find freedom for our soul. We find that the curse is broken. The hooks and the snares of the enemy are defeated in our lives. And we have true peace in our soul that the world cannot steal. That surpasses understanding. We have a joy that's not found and based on our circumstances. We have love that is eternal through our situations and through our struggles. We learn to stand on on the word of God. We learn to stand and trust God and to believe in him. And so we're going to apply God's word in our life today. This is not a one-stop shop today. This is not just a laying on of hands. I read the Bible today. I'm good. If you would be my disciple, abide in my word. And the truth shall set you free. See, when I was preparing this message, I was struggling. Like, God, this is, this is a different message for me. I'm not used to preaching it like this. But in the meantime, I had four to five phone calls of people talking to me about the exact same struggle. And I think going back to that prophetic word earlier is God saying, look, you've been dying in secret long enough. Start living in secret. Start receiving the life of God. Start receiving the breath of God breathing over you that you just sleep in comfort. I laid down and rest. And I awoke for the Lord sustained me. That you're not having another sleepless night because of uncertainty again. Maybe you have it because you wake up to spend time with God and you say, no more. I'm not allowing insecurity to be what I sleep in anymore. I'm not allowing anxiety to grip my soul while I try to rest. And I will stand with God and I will declare God's promises over my marriage, over my children, over my life over my job, over my dreams, over my future, that God's promises shall be established in my life. His word shall be established in my life because I walk with Him and I know Him. So beloved, if that's you today, God wants to just bring rest for your soul. He wants to bring real healing to the depth of who you are so you're not secretly holding on to that anymore. I want to pray for you today and just release God's grace into whatever situation you're in. And that as you read the word of God, the words begin to jump off the page to you and speak life. So if you're here today, can I do something a little different? I want to know who I'm praying for. So if you're here and you would like me to just declare this prayer over you, would you just stand at your seat? I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just stand and let me pray and watch and let the Spirit of God wash over you and remove that anxiety, guilt, fear, pain, and struggle. Man, the Spirit of the Lord's here. And there's freedom in this place. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the lives of everyone here. God, I thank you for those who who had the courage to stand right now. And I just release the grace of heaven upon them. And the power of God to wash their heart and their soul. To renew their mind. And the power of the Spirit. 
that they walk in the authority and the goodness of God. No more do they focus on the burden and the fear, but they focus on your promise and the truth of your word, that they become mighty men and women of God. God, what the enemy has done in their life and sown in their life from even an early age, we just break that curse off of them in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you are a curse breaker, that you are a redeemer of souls, that you wash us and cleanse us and make us new. And God, we're not taking brokenness with us to tomorrow. But right now it's cut off in Jesus' name. And every time the enemy rears his ugly head, we will stand on the word of God. Holy Spirit, bring to us our, bring to our memory and our understanding a, a verse, a word, a statement that we declare over our lives that I am enough in Christ Jesus. I am enough. Say that, say that with me. I am enough in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place and in the lives of your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. Be seated, please. And as we close today, if you're here and you maybe never given your life to Jesus, you're like, Pastor Chad, I struggle with anxiety, worry, and I don't know the Lord. I don't, how, what do I do? How do I receive Christ to walk in freedom? If you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. Don't walk out of here carrying the burden. Listen, I'm going to tell you a secret. You are not strong enough on your own to defeat the enemy. You're not. You cannot conquer the, the struggles and the enemy. You cannot strug, conquer the struggles and the works of the enemy on your own. So God wants to heal you today. God wants to touch your soul and bring salvation to who you are.